And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Benched with Bubba, episode 624, continuing our fantasy previews for the 2024 season, staying in the AL East with the New York Yankees. The Bronx Bombers uh, actually have made some noise this offseason, so that'll make things a little inter- more interesting for the show because it's it was kind of like people were, well, at least Yankees fans who are used to spending money have been disappointed a little bit over the last couple of years, kind of unloading things. They've made a few splashes, and they still might not be done yet. That's the fun part. We'll, we'll talk about that and more. And to help me break down the Yankees, he joined me last year. Joins me a lot throughout the year. He's become a good friend of mine, a good friend of the show. You can find him on Twitter at BreakingBen underscore T. Ben Ted, how are we doing, my friend? Hey, Bob. I'm doing great. I'm glad to be back on for this show. I think this was like the first time you had me back last year mm-hmm. after that initial one. So it's it's cool to be on again talking about the Yankees. So thanks. Yeah. Glad to have you back. I'm actually very happy so far. I've only contacted my AL people, but I have like all but two people having to change. So it's really cool to kind of have the same voice as things go. I'm looking forward to it. I'm crazy enough to say like five years from now, if I could continue that and just seeing where things kind of go and change. And, you know, because the beauty of it, like I say on every episode, it kind of towards the front is a lot of these people are fantasy minds, not all of them, but they're more importantly, they're fans of the team. So they watch the team more, they know the team more than just, you know, every you know, random person going through there. So it's fun to get your guys' input on each show. And that's why I have you on here to, uh, to talk Yankees and have some fun. And so people also know um, we're using right now ADP roughly from December 1st in DCs. It's been 15 drafts. Eventually I'll start shrinking that up again as they start pumping them out more, but give us a good enough idea of what's going on. Before we get into the players, uh, as usual, Ben, what are your thoughts on the offseason so far with the quote-unquote splashes I mentioned? Well, so you mentioned the splashes. I think it's ironic, though. I, I saw that they haven't spent any money technically because it's That's all been true. trades. So they still haven't made that big signing, which um, I, I when we I was on the one time previous, it was right at the Soto trade. So I think I mentioned then that they still need another, another starting pitcher, and uh, we'll cover the rotation eventually. But um I think the signing will come in, in the form of a starting pitcher at least, and then maybe a bullpen arm. But I know there's been rumors about Josh Hader, but I'm, I anticipate the starter being their at least the one signing that they make. So, but with the Soto trade, it, it was a good start to the offseason. I'm looking forward to seeing him play, and uh, yes, it should be a hopefully a better year than last year. Doesn't even mention Grisham or Verdugo or anything. Look at this guy Soto. It's only Soto. No, I'm oh yeah, of I totally, <laughs> understand. I totally understand. I honestly, when I was putting the outline together. I saw Grisham on the metric. Oh, that's right. He was a part of that deal. Totally forgot that Trent Grisham was even involved. I think most people probably have. I think it's fair. Um, let's get into the players, the hitters on this one. We'll start with the big dog. Court is in session with Aaron Judge. Uh, just absolute beast. Two years ago, AL MVP with his monstrous 2022 season. Came back with 37 homers, 267 average, but only played 106 games with that fluky kind of toe injury that took place. It's not discouraging drafters, though, because he still has uh, an early ADP of around 11 or 12 right now. So what are your thoughts on Judge? Are you back in for a 2022 version of Judge, or are you, what, what are you expecting from him? I am right now. So I ended up um, doing my overall rankings of my first pass, and he's my overall uh, player nine, uh, outfielder seven. So definitely an outfielder heavy first round. But uh, with Judge, yeah, like – you don't want to spend too much time on him. It's just more about whether you trust the health. Cause like he kind of beat that injury bug man, uh, mantra that he had. Um, Cause he had the huge year in 2022. Uh, they came back with the solid year, still on a per plate appearance uh, basis. It's just like you mentioned the fluke injury he had in LA. 
But um, if you look at all the underlying stats, like everything's off the charts still, the barrel rate, exit velocity, like he's arguably the best hitter in, in baseball right now. And uh, the one thing um, I guess I can tie it in. So before we recorded, I alluded that I'm, I actually jumped into a, a draft recently and uh, I'm picking from the 13 spots to draft champions on the NFBC and judge was there. And I actually, I passed over him for Jose Ramirez and uh, it kind of ties into the toe injury. So I'm not, I'm not too concerned because a little while ago, I think it may have been Cashman or somebody else. They came out and said that he completely, it's completely healed. He didn't have surgery, which I found kind of amazing because it seemed like it could have been pretty serious when it happened. But, and then from just watching the games, when he came back, you could tell when he was running the bases, like he was kind of favoring that right foot. I think it was the right toe. And so like he was playing through the paint to try to get them to the playoffs. I mean, ultimately it didn't work out, but uh, it was good to see him be able to play. But because of that injury and because of the contract, he's over 30 now. Um, I could see him getting shut down on the base pass. And when it comes to now, like we have the stolen base debate all the time. And now that I'm in a draft, I'm trying to like plan ahead for my next few picks. And I was worried about at least in a 15, I think in a 12, it's not, it may not be as bad, but when it comes back to me at pick 18 or whatever that is, there's, there aren't really many steals guys there. And I didn't want to start out with maybe no steals or, 10 at the most for my first two picks. I, I wanted to go hitter, hitter. And in a 12, you might be able to get away with somebody else, like maybe Trey Turner falls. Or if you're on the turn and judge there, like I pick a 12 and 13 and a 12 teamer. Okay. You, you have two, you can take judge and then maybe Jose would fall. Um, you'll know when the, when it gets to you, but I, it's just enough for me to make me pause. Like I'm going to keep him ahead of Jose because in a fab league, I, I might take judge because of the higher upside and you can always address deals on the waiver wire, but in the draft champions where you have to draft your entire team, I'd rather have the balance in that, in that scenario. So that's the only thing I can say bad about him. Otherwise, like he's like the new Jeter for the Yankees and I still be safe healthy. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm a hundred percent with you. That's been my biggest bugaboo with judge. I, I'm pretty sure I have zero judge shares. And I've done a handful of drafts and it's uh, I always get to him and I've had a lot of back of the first round, like, picks and it's like you stare at him and you're like yeah i need i need that steal like you said like you need that five co- five category insurance otherwise you'd like push up one door super early the second round through now you could get lucky you mentioned like i saw vlad do it i've seen uh ryan did it actually in a draft where he got the judge turner combo at the back end of a 15 okay that's pretty sweet that's cool like you said you don't know until you're in that room if that's actually going to be feasible that's very difficult at times. And like you look at, um, we talk about Judge, and he's had that one healthy season a couple of years ago, but, and last year's fluky, don't get me wrong. Uh, but, but, you know, playing full seasons has been kind of an issue for Aaron Judge. Where you got J Ram, he's played at least 152 games in three straight seasons. Like that's the stability you're looking for in a DC. I know like we, we talk different formats a lot, and I get a lot of questions and DMs and stuff about like, hey, can we get more information on this and that? In a DC, it's you need the playing time. It's that simple. Like it's, it's, it's sounds simple, but it is that simple. And if judge plays a full season, he's close to being an Acuna again. We saw that. Like that's legit for what he can do. He just hasn't done it consistently enough to like lock it in where J Ram is. That's my two cents. And um, it's, I could be a hundred percent wrong, but first round picks, you should probably be okay. No matter where you go, hopefully. And uh, J Ram is probably the way to go. But what makes this more fun talking Yankees Juan Soto is going literally like a half pick according to ADP in front of Aaron Judge. They're basically the yen to each other's yang right next to each other there in the Bronx now. And Soto's coming off a 35 homer, 12 steal, 
275, 97 runs, 109. That's a pretty solid stat line for a guy that most people were highly disappointed in last year. I know he kind of turned it on late, but uh, all in all, a good year. Now he goes to the Bronx, friendly porch and right. What's your thoughts on Soto becoming a New York Yankee? Like I mentioned before, very excited about Juan being in pinstripes uh, for 2024. He's a overall hitter 10 for me, so I have him and Judge back-to-back. I think I might flip-flop that and have Soto 9, Judge 10, kind of going along with the debate we just had or the discussion. And um, I expect more steals from Soto. So he's, I think he stole a decent amount of bags in September to get his total up around yep. 15. So, and I was trying to look at like the team's totals from last year to see how the Yankees took because I, I thought they were a little more aggressive than they actually were. But I mean, when you have Rizzo and Stanton on the team, it's and then you count for the catcher, and then it makes sense why they don't have as many steals because they're not as athletic as other teams. But Soto's young and he can steal, so I could see him getting that edge on Judge just from maybe being healthier and playing more, and then also having uh, at least double the steals, if not a lot more than that. And uh, I'm not too worried about the ground ball rate still. Like when he hits it in the air, he hits it hard and. I remember, I think, I don't know if I was when I was on, but I remember hearing someone discuss about if you look at uh, expected homers per park, it kind of goes down in Yankee Stadium for Soto, yeah. probably because he hits it uh, straight away more often. And it's pretty deep out to center in, uh, in the gaps, um, even though you always hear about how it's good for lefties, but it depends on where you hit it in the stadium. True. And uh, I'm not worried about that. I think he'll still break no matter what. And uh, yeah, he actually went ahead of Soto. I mean, uh, Soto went ahead of Judge in the draft I'm doing right now. So um, yeah, so it's I interesting to it's an interesting debate the two of them. A hundred percent, and that's why it's a fun one. I think I've got more Soto. I have a couple shares of Soto already, just because I think that kind of big season's coming now. Like, obviously, health's a concern, but put him in the Bronx, put him in the middle of that lineup. Like he's going to score a ton of runs, could drive in. It's like, there's a lot of factors that line up to be very nice for Juan Soto. Obviously still very nice for Judge as well, but uh, for some reason I'm leaning Soto. So for everyone listening, probably go take Judge, be your best bet. But um, yeah, it, sh- it should be quite fun. Let's go to the other big guy, Giancarlo Stanton. Uh, if you've seen Twitter lately, he looks svelte, as they say. Um, but he needs to because it's been – Kind of a rough go for Stanton, and the 317 ADP kind of uh, lines into that. You, you look at Stanton's recent years, and it's an injury thing. Once again, 101, 110 games the last two years, but 139 in 2021. It's been pretty dreadful for a while. Batting average continues to drop. What's your thoughts on Stanton? Because he's becoming very, very difficult to trust in fantasy. Yeah, I was surprised when I saw the ADP um, how far he dropped because he was like a mid-100s pick last year, and he – it's like more than double that now. So I was surprised. I have him um, a little higher than I'm, I'm 278 overall. And this watching, it was rough watching him last year. I, I, you almost feel bad for him when you watch him try to run. And then not, not to mention like his swing looks all out of whack. He still has the close stance. And I think it helped him at one point, but I, I think it's time for him to maybe switch it up again and try to get a little more athletic and take advantage of his athleticism. Like I saw that picture. So he looks definitely looks slimmer, which hopefully will help. Um, I don't know if it's going to help his legs. I mean, it, it can't hurt. It's just a matter of him staying on the field, like you mentioned. But then when, if you dig into underlying stats, his contact rate's awful. It's, I mean, well, it's probably always been that way, but it's like 67%. Um, not very good. When he barrels the ball, though, he, he still crushes it. So it's just he's very all or nothing now. He still he walks in an all right clip. doesn't really help too much for fantasy because he's not going to really – he doesn't score runs anymore. For as much as he has gotten on base the last couple of years, he's just so slow. So it makes sense why he's dropped so much. 
I mean, Alf, we've mentioned it before that outfield seems kind of shallow, at least in 15 team leagues. It, it is a little tricky out there. And um, I think with Stan, you need to have a good batting average floor if you're going to draft him, unless he's the bench piece for a shallower league. But if you're going to rely on him for plate appearances, it's going to be tough to swallow that potentially at 200 average that he, he'll give you most likely. Yeah, he's sadly kind of off the board for me. We'll have to kind of see where things go, but he's one of those. You got to prove it to me moments with Gene. He's getting older too. He's almost thirty-five now. So baseball terms, he's getting older. It's a it's, it's a t- tough go for Giancarlo right now. Here's a player that maybe foolishly I'm buying all in on, but a lot of it's price tag. Anthony Rizzo is got an ADP around two eighty-three. He's like the twenty-something first baseman off the board. Uh, he had the concussion last year. Very, he played through it for a while, as we found out. Then he missed. Like, they could have brought him back late if they were in it. They said, but they just let him st- like rest and stay healthy. And I'm thinking, but much better things to come. Let's put it that way. Probably not stating the obvious there, but I'm excited for Rizzo. I don't know. Am I, am I mistaken in my Rizzo excitement? No, I agree with you. I was surprised to see how far he had fallen in ADP. I have him more around like close to 200 and. I probably knocked that down from where I originally had him once I saw ADP. I'm like, well, I don't want to be too uh, like ahead of the market on him. And I think people are just, they, I think they're looking at his overall season and not remembering what happened to Rizzo because he, he was on fire before he got, he got the concussion. Like, I don't think he was going to sustain that for the entire year. Probably not. He is older. But he did nothing performance-wise when healthy to make him drop this far. Of course, he may not come back 100% from the concussion. There, everyone's different when it comes to those. But in terms of where he's going, I, I'm definitely open to drafting him there. And his projection for steamers is very good. He's the 124th ranked hitter right now, um, according to how I do the Z scores. And 72 runs, 24 homers, 78 RBIs. That's good at two. That's excellent at 280. Of course, we have to wait and see what the other projection systems say too. But I doubt they'll be that far off because of his track record. And I think. Um, he has had enough good years before last year's to prove that he's still viable as a fantasy option. Yep, 100% with you. I think there's a lot to like there, especially at the price tag. Like, why would we not give this a shot at a first base position even? That kind of drops off pretty quickly at a point. So definitely a later guy to target and, uh, and add some depth, especially in D.C.'s uh, at the position. He could be one of those guys that pays off in a big way if he returns to even part of what Rizzo used to be. So I'm, I'm a big fan of that one. A guy I've rostered for many years now, and it's worked out more often than not, and everyone's starting to catch on, is Glaber Torres. Big fan of Mr. Torres here, coming off a, a nice season where he hit 25 bombs, 13 stolen bases, 273 average, played really well uh, for the Yankees, playing 158 games most of his career. His ADP is about 93 right now. So what's your thoughts on Glaber Torres? I have Glaber in a similar range in my overall rankings. Uh, I so one thing I noticed last year watching the games was he stole a t- like a, hand, a good amount of bags right out of the gate, and then he kind of slowed down. I don't know why that happened. He had four in April, but I think they're all all four in the first week. So he seemed like he was going to take advantage of the rules, um, and he, for some reason, well, he ended up getting caught four more times, and he only went four for eight on the on the month, end up with thirteen. So I think there's potential for him to uh, steal more than thirteen bases going into next this year. He had five in August with no uh, cost stealing, so he has he has the potential. Um, but yeah, he's a he's a solid power speed option, and I think the next guy would be DJ. But I'll mention it now with Labor. So I, I remember saying the exact same thing last year when I was on doing the preview: is whoever hits first is going to have an extra boost in value, especially now with Soto there. 
And according to roster resource, they have DJ LeMay, who we'll get to. But I, I don't see them leaving DJ in the leadoff spot. He's old. He's not that. He's not the same hitter he was when he hit 340 or whatever it was. Uh, he's slow. So if Soto, I mean, um, if Glaber can bat leadoff for them, he's going to probably come in even more valuable um, than the 93rd overall player. And I think also the other option is Verdugo, but we'll wait to get there. But with Glaber, um, he batted. So it was him, DJ, and Volpe who batted lead off the most last year, and so I could, I think he's a better shot of leading off than DJ for sure. It's it, for me, it's a matter of Glaber versus Verdugo. But if uh, like when spring training comes around and they're starting to roll out those everyday lineups, just pay attention to see where Glaber is hitting. And I mean, if he's gonna hit lead off, he'll have more runs in RBIs. I think he uh, still had more runs in RBIs last year by a decent amount, and he hit fourth and fifth a lot too. But um, I probably, he probably hit leadoff more often than not. And when he did, he uh, he he uh, produced. So, yeah, definitely not Glaber at this price. And uh, I, I didn't draft him in this draft, but I'll look for I'll look to draft him going forward. Yeah, if we look at Mike Curlin's MLBPlaneTime.com, his deal, he he doesn't think Glaber's going to lead off. But that's also he's got him hitting cleanup, so I'm a fan of that also. But uh, and this Either is way. Curlin, this is Curlin we're talking about. So let's just have some fun with him on that one. <laughs> but. Um, yeah, I, I like Glaber. I agree. If he leads off, even better, obviously. But because uh, this team should score a ton of runs, and that that'll be pretty nice. On the flip side, you mentioned DJ Lemayhu, who is projected to lead off for the Yankees and has an ADP of three seventy seven. First base, third base eligible. That's pretty sweet if he's going to lead off. And one thing I mentioned, uh, and I caught Ryan by surprise earlier this offseason, you know, you see a stat line at 243, 15 homers, two steals, you're like, yeah, whatever. He really got it going uh, kind of in the second half, later part of the season, uh, 291 average in August with uh, with five home runs, hit 245 in September. He really got it going when he started playing regularly in the second half of the season. So what's your takes on DJ? Is there still something left in the tank that we're, we're interested in fantasy? Uh, I think he's more of a, a like a draft and hold pick. I, I wouldn't want him in redrafts because there's there's not that much upside. Um, like I was saying, he's older now, but yeah, I agree to what you're saying about how he he p- picked it up in the second half. I think that kind of coincided with when Sean Casey was hired as a hitting coach. Sean uh, Casey, um, he declined to come back. He wanted to be this family, so I don't know if DJ will be able to maintain the gains that he seemed to have um, found when uh, Sean Casey was the hitting coach. But uh, yeah, even at one point, I was adding uh, DJ on some of my NFBC teams because he was hot and he was batting leadoff, like you said. So, I mean, if he hits leadoff, he'll have more value than I think he will have. I just don't see them from a trying to win perspective having him hit leadoff. I don't think he's a leadoff hitter anymore. But at that ADP, that's like in the range where you're looking for at bats in a draft and hold. So, and at th- first and third is nice, the dual eligibility. I don't, I think he lost second base, which is unfortunate. Yeah, first but, and third only, yeah. Yeah, it's still good. It's still better than just having one, though. So, yeah, I mean, just keep your expectations low with DJ. He's not, for 12 teams, probably not someone you want to target. But in 15s or even, well, a 12-team draft and hold, like an NFBC 50, I could see taking him. But just uh, keep your expectations in check, I think. Yeah, like looking at just the hitters in this range, like Luis Garcia, uh, Jesus Sanchez, Yon Moncada, Vaughn Grissom maybe has a little more appeal than he once did, but you're talking about a lot of guys that are kind of iffy, platoony type guys where 
if DJ plays at least two thirds of the time with that flexibility in that lineup in a draft and hold format where you can play the the biweekly rosters and everything, that's a huge piece. And that's another like I know we talked about the DCs we mentioned earlier. Multi position flexibility is very very huge. That's that's obvious. But the later guys that actually got the playing time to go with the flexibility like a DJ, it's like even bigger because you'll get the multi position guys later. But you're sitting there going, really, is that even worth my time? Or DJ could be like if you had DJ in a draft and hold last year and you had the ability to play him in August, he guarantee you he helped your roster out. Like that was a tremendous boost that you were not expecting. Uh, and yes, the beauty of it, like you said, in Fab, you probably would have dropped him a million times and played that game. Where in the DC, you could have just had someone else in the lineup for three months, not even worried about it, slid him in for a bit when he got cold, slid him back out. That's that's a beautiful situation to have for a guy like DJ LeMahon. Alex Verdugo, who you acquired from the Arch Rivals somehow. That trade happened to the surprise of many, but things are changing in the world. We're all friends now, apparently. Alex Verdugo comes over from Boston. He has an ADP of – that's still DJ I got there. He has an ADP of 310, essentially, so nothing too crazy. Uh, It's been weird. Like, There's always been super – not super high, but pretty high expectations for Verdugo. And he's hit for average, but the power's really never developed, doesn't run a ton. Just kind of a good baseball player. He feels a lot like a Benintendi, honestly. So, what's your thoughts on the Alex Verdugo going to the Yankees now? It's surprising to see him drop this much because I think he was going pick 200 last year. And when you look at his 2022 and 2023 stat lines, he might have had a better year last year than he did going than he did in 2022 going into last draft season. So, I think people just finally realized that he was getting overdrafted. Um, I mean, his average dropped down to 264, but it's still fine in this environment. And uh, it's definitely, he's definitely a much better real-life player than he is for fantasy. His um, on-base in 2021, 2020, and 2020 and 2021 were at least 350 both seasons, even though, with the shortened season. But it's kind of dropped down a little bit in the 320s. So maybe that's why they don't think he's in a bat leadoff on roster resource. But I like the the, the uh, trade for Verdugo because they need more contact in that lineup with uh, Stan and Judge, and some and when they had Donaldson because he, he struck out every time. And so I can get over the fact he was a Red Sox last year because I think he's going to help them. <laughs> I mean, like we had Damon and Ellsbury, so I've been down that road before. Usually it doesn't end too well, too good. So hopefully Verdugo's a nice change to that. Um, but yeah, I mean at this price. I could see if you need maybe an average boost in a, in a 15, but he's, he's, he's going to be like a, I think he'll be a starter at that price for you in a, in a deeper league. So you have to make sure you have power taken care of and speed by the time you pick him. It's so you have a nice discount. Like I said, compared to previous draft seasons, it's just um, if he hits leadoff though, like same thing with Glaber, if he's hitting leadoff, I think he could be like how Nemo was going into 2022 where he was going around pick 300, uh, not that much power, but a leadoff hitter in a, in a good lineup, and Nimmo returned great value that year. And uh, I could see Verdugo, Verdugo doing the same thing if he uh, sticks at the top of the lineup. Yeah, Verdugo could somehow creep in like an 18 home run guy, hit at the top of the overscore over 100 runs. Yeah, that could be maybe somehow start running. I don't know. A lot of somehows, but yes, I, I agree. There is some definite appeal in that regard. Anthony Volpe. Everyone was so pumped on him last year. He made the team out of spring. All the people took chances in drafts. End of the year, 21 homers, 24 steals. Cool. Hit 209. Uh, there were a lot of times people were calling for his head to go back to AAA. Never happened. So what are we thinking with Volpe? Because even you know the 2020 season is keeping his draft stock up at an ADP of 130. 
Yeah, so I have him at around 190 overall, so I doubt I'll be drafting him at all this year unless I change my tune on that. He's just – I know he was he was 22 years old, so you have to give him some slack. But it's still a hefty price to pay when he hasn't really shown he can – I mean, the speed is – the 2020 is nice, but he came with 60 runs in RBI, which is not good for that pick. And the 209 average, I mean, I he didn't really make any gains throughout the year to show that he was improving in, in – in terms of like his contact ability and his average, and it's going to keep him at the bottom of the lineup. So one thing I'm, I've been harping on in drafts this year for myself is to look at a lineup position. Cause I mean, it's not rocket science. Everyone talks about this, but like, the higher you hit up in the lineup, the more play appearances you're going to get. And so, and he hit ninth a lot last year when he was struggling, like they suck with him, which was great. I probably hurt their season because they, they barely won 80, whatever. I think they won like 84 games, which, and I, him batting leadoff in those times probably didn't help at all because they were struggling to score runs for a long time. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, like his OPS was 666, which is not good. It's like probably below league average. I think his WRC plus was below league average, was below 100. And, I mean, for, in terms of like the team, like as a Yankee fan, like it's great that he was able to play the entire year. Hopefully he's a lot better this year and I'm wrong and he meets his draft price, but I, I think it's too rich for me. Yeah, I'm going to have zero Anthony Volpe. Man, I'd rather wait and get Tyro Estrada if you want to play that game for power, speed, middle infield. Like, and I know people say I'm a homer, but let's just look at facts. Just cover up both names and tell me which guy you want at ADP. I think it's pretty simple to me. But I agree with Bubba, yeah. and I'm the Yankee fan. Yeah, I'm like, that seems pretty simple. I'd even go Zach Geloff at other different positions, but if you just want to talk middle infield, like, let's just be real about it. I don't know if it's a combination of the Yankee bump he might be getting. Like, There's just certain factors with Volpe, but – Wishing the best, still super young, could totally prove me wrong. He could figure it out. I'm not going to doubt that. Just super young, and people should know that listen to me by now. Prove it. Like, that's just how I roll. Like, I'll be on your, your team next year if that's the way it works. Um, catchers, this is a conundrum. It was Higashioka at one point. He's in San Diego. You got Austin Wells, who came up last year, kind of a prospect. You know, all, overall, I think did good enough. Wasn't great, but small sample. There's, like, least expectations there. You still have Jose Trevino involved. How are you approaching catchers with the Yankees? Are you sitting back and watching, or are you going to be aggressive or at least interested in one of them? So today I was thinking about how I was going to address Austin Wells, and I think I figured out what my stance is. So he actually – the underlying stats in his in, when he got called last year were better than you would think. So his XBA was 275, his X slug was 566, and his X wobo was 367, and he had a barrel rate of 13.8%. Granted, it was like 70 at-bats for Austin Wells. So it's a super small sample size, but he's, but in that sample, he, sh- he, he was showing that he has the skills to be a good catcher and he, he was a power speed threat in the minors. The only thing though, is like I said, it's a small sample and like it, in my draft and hold right now, I need a catcher two still. And I don't know if I want him as my catcher too, because there's a chance he gets, he goes, I think he gets, he could get sent back to triple a because they also have uh, Ben Rice who we'll talk about. And I know um, Cross and Clegg, they, they talked about him when they were on with you earlier in the, Yep. winner and like Trevino was the starter last year ahead of Higashioka who they traded away in the Soto trade so they have a starter still even though Trevino isn't very good he's um I think he's one of the better catcher twos if you want in a draft and hold because there's a chance that uh he'll pl- he could replace Wells if Wells struggles I think they want to give Wells a chance though um he's not going to DH because of Stan but okay. right now he's projected to be in a platoon on roster resource but with the like I mentioned, the underlying skills that he show, he showed, I, and with his decent prospect pedigree, I think he could be 
he could return value here at where he's going. I'm much more likely to take him in a, in a fab league because if he gets sent down, you just drop him. I, I'm not sure if I want to have him on my team in a draft and hold, and then he gets sent down with the risk of him getting sent back down. But I'm not saying like it's going to happen. I just think it's a chance. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I, I agree with what you're saying. It's my concern with Wells. Like I'm a Wells fan. I've taken him as a catcher three in some leagues, and then as my draft season has gone on, I've kind of backed off that stance a little bit. But you know, he's got an ADP of around three ten, which if you want to catch a three, it's not bad. It probably forces you to take a four. Unfortunately, if you're going that route, as Ben said, there's always a chance he gets sent down or Rice. You almost, if you do take Wells, take Rice at the end. Just go that route. It still sucks because you're taking four catchers, and I'm trying to only take three in my drafts. But that's an angle to kind of back that situation up. Um, I do like Wells though. I think, like you said, the the small sample he showed that he can hang and if anything the power is really legit and so you can get a, a big time power bat if he gets to play enough it's just that there's a big question there obviously that's why his adp is where it is compared to other catchers on the board but um definitely interesting and i like your comment in fab you could literally wait till the end of your draft as your catcher too and then if force comes to worst drop them stream catchers everyone knows my thoughts on that so like that's a definite play as well a couple other players that you uh jotted down here and i, I for, I apologize now for talking bad about uh, Trent Grisham, but is there interest in Trent Grisham? He's basically your outfielder four, and he is a guy. I'll say this much. I'll give him credit. It's like tongue-in-cheek when you make fun of him, but the dude does have power. Like, we've seen it with him before, and he can be streaky. ADP's after 500. So what's your thoughts on Trent? Yeah, I, I just want to throw him on there because, like, we were talking about Stan and, the, and even judge of the inter- injury risk. So I could see True. at least peaks or parts of the season where Grisham is fancy relevant. I don't know if I want to commit in a draft and hold, but in terms of just having him on your radar, just like you forgot about him. Just so, so the listeners just don't forget about Trent Grisham. Like he could find playing time at some point in the season if there's an injury to someone in the outfield. And and he has the power speed that we've like that kept him relevant heading into last year. And like he, his average has been bad lately. And I mean they don't need another bad average hitter on, on the team. But if he can figure something out, if he gets playing time, I, he could be valuable. What about Oswald Peraza? He's third base eligible, power speed in the minors. Just hasn't really got that full run in the bigs. Just at least not a full run where he's produced. Let's put it that way. In the bigs, are we still kind of interested in him? I am for sure. I always thought he was so going into last year. I thought I preferred him over Volpe because I thought he was more ready because he came up in the in September of 2022 and was and was starting in the playoffs. So I'm like, well, why wouldn't they just roll with him still? He he didn't struggle really. I think he had 300 in the playoffs and. They had openings in the infield, but for whatever the, whatever the reason was, they wanted to go with Volpe, and you could argue whether that was a success or not, like we already t- touched on. But with so my comment was DJ Old next to Peraza, and I just don't trust DJ to stay healthy or to be that good anymore. So I could see Peraza taking over for DJ at some point this year potentially. Or I mean, he's he's the first guy to get plate appearances if anyone gets hurt. I think too. So um yeah and i i was i always had him on like my watch list everywhere last year so i'm like okay bring him up like that's a great you talked earlier in the show i can get steals off the waiver wire like if i drafted judge in a fab league peraza was like that dude i was always waiting for if he gets called up i want him because he's gonna run and run and run beautiful never really happened unfortunately so maybe this year's the year because like you mentioned with grisham and with peraza yankees on paper to start the year look good but there's a lot of injury slash old on that roster and that makes it concerning that leads me to my last guy who's starting the season on the injured list here just a beast it was a just sucked so much when he got hurt and that is jason dominguez who finally got the call last year i'd say finally he got the call he ballooned straight through everything and he was just mashing 
hard hits everywhere, home runs. The dude was so much fun to watch. They put him right towards the top of the order. They're playing him every day. He was the future, still is the future, but he's got a little derailed for now. What's your thoughts on him? Because I look at him in every single draft because he's got an ADP of 388, which might seem rich since he's out for at least half of the season. But if you think Bryce Harper's schedule plan is close, maybe a little later for Dominguez, that could still be nice at 388. So what's your thoughts on Jason Dominguez? See, I, I lean that it's a kind of high because I think they might be they might play it safe with him because he is a prize prospect. Like I have zero shares, by the way. I just want right. to I stare at him every time. Like, <laughs> I really want to take him. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I get it because he showed that he was he seemed like he was ready to play, and he's he's not even twenty one yet, which is kind of incredible. Um, yeah, so so he had the surgery in September, the day the September twentieth, but like we mentioned with Harper, it's a shorter uh, recovery time for a position player. Unfortunately, he can't really DH because Sands there, so it's not like he can. They can kind of hide his arm while he's healing. I don't, I don't even know which arm it was. It may have not even been a throwing arm, um, but yeah. So if he was going like in the 500s or 600s, I'd be more willing to take a shot of him as like a midseason injury guy, like a like a replacement if case you have injuries. But um, yeah, he, I'm like taking fancy out of, the, out of the picture though. Like he's just so talented, and mm-hmm. hopefully they can keep Soto and have um, Stanton. I mean, uh, Judge Soto and Dominguez in the outfield for the next few years, that'd be really nice. That'd be pretty sweet. That would set up nice, especially with Dominguez on that rookie money. That would be pretty sweet. Maybe have the call the Braves and go, hey, how do you negotiate these deals <laughs> with these young guys? Can you give us some pointers so we can lock down Dominguez? We'll give him 150 right now. But, like, can we do this so he's only getting, like, 25 a year instead of the 50 a year he might get someday? Like, can we do that? That'd be fun because isn't Soto a free agent after this year also? Yeah, that's the thing that I'm worried yeah. about. Yeah. Because I know he's, he's – and, of course, he has to say it. But he said he wants to stay there, but he also doesn't want to, like, negotiate till the end of the year or something like that. Did I, did I, am I speaking out of school on that, something along those lines? Or No, because he's a Boris client, so he's not going to sign oh, that. he's not going to – Yeah, no, no, he's not touching yeah. a pen. Boris, that's, that's one thing that made more sense to me today on Twitter as we record that uh, a lot of these free agents like Snell and um, – uh, Bellinger and a couple other the big names still they're all Boris guys. Boris will drag this out till March if he wants to, like because he's going to literally fight everybody against everybody to get every penny out of this thing. He's in no hurry to sign, and then all of a sudden, like, oh, that's why we're still waiting. Okay, yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Thank you, Scott Boris. All right, pitchers side of things now as we flip things in the Bronx, and uh, we'll just start at the uh, AL Cy Young Award winner. That sounds good to you. He says he's pretty good. He is going to be old. I keep hearing that ever. He's so old. He's so old. But hey, I just turned forty. This dude's thirty-three. He's not old. Okay, he is not old. Just leave him alone. He's just been around for a while. He's played a. Lot. He's played since he was twenty-two. Um, but back-to-back two hundred plus innings. He's had two hundred plus in five of the last six years. Cy Young winner. What all do you have to say about Garrett Cole? If you're concerned, go for it. I, I understand the age concerns. I hear them, but it's also like, <laughs> come on, people. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. Wor- I'm worried about. I'm, I'm not worried about the age. With anything, it's just the decline in the strikeout rate, which could be a uh, approach change. Um, maybe to go deeper into games, like he's trying to pitch to more contact. I mean, I don't know exactly the cause. I mean, his velocity is going down. He is getting slightly older. I'm not gonna say he's old to. Not to offend you, but uh, no, I was just being. I, I know, I know, I'm, I'm messing too. <laughs> yeah, so I'm second pitcher in my rankings. Steamer has him as the third projected pitcher, so they're not really thinking he's gonna not uh, return value at the that price. Everything still looks really good. Like the Sierra and the XFIP last year were around three six, which isn't the best, but 
that's kind of how the environment was last year. You're not going to see many low uh, Sierras, XFIPS, XERAs for starters from last year, I don't think. Yep. And uh, like he knows how to pitch. He's proven that he, he can do it for a long period of time. And it's just more about the reliability or the, the quote-unquote safety that you're getting with Cole. Where he's going, I probably won't draft him because I don't want to target a starter that early, I don't think. Mm-hmm. It's nothing against him. I, he's Like I said, he's my SP2, so I think he's going to be great still. It's just uh, it's just how you want to draft, and if you're comfortable bypassing one of those elite hitters for him. And I'm not personally, but if someone does, I, I can't blame them. Yeah, um, that I'm 100% on board with you. Like He's my SP2 behind Strider. Uh, I have zero problem if you want to take him in round one. I've done it in the, I did it last year. One of the DCs I won, I took him at like fifth overall. Um, it's usually not my style, but I tried to mix it up. Worked out well. Maybe I should change it up more often. Um, but uh, it's just the the reliability. And that's a loose term with any pitcher because every pitcher suspect to getting an injury. Like they're so just crazy. But the fact he's done it in five or six years and 180 plus in six or six years, we're not counting 2020. Like that's pretty dang reliable. So I'll take that kind of workhorse with ratios and whatnot all day long. The next guy, not reliable. Uh, Carlos Rodon, and this has been a thing why I've just never drafted him. Yes, he had that really good year in San Francisco. Kudos to whoever rode that one out. I just can't do it, and I'm cool being wrong again this year because Rodon came back from injury. It took forever to get back from injury. Then he got back, and it was just ugly. His ADP is 167, which keeps people optimistic. They're like, well, if he can bounce back, and he could. I could be wrong. could be totally wrong. I'm not going to find out, though. I'll take some of the guys going around him instead of – Carlos Rodon. What are your thoughts on Carlos Rodon, though? I agree with you. I'm scared to draft him at, at that high. I am more like 188, which is still kind of high. It's like that SP4, SP5 range, depending on how you draft. But it's just watching him last year. When he was when he came back from the injuries, he, he just struggled. Like every nothing was easy for him. Like he was constantly trying to find his like his walk rate was almost 10, percent which isn't that good for a starter. Um, the XFIP was awful. The he wasn't getting um, like whiffs. His CSW was twenty four point two. So, well, he, his swing strike was twelve point five. So like, he was still he was getting whiffs, but like he wasn't really fooling guys. His exit velocity was pretty high. His XERA was five three. So when he got hit, he got hit hard. So it's hard for me in fantasy to take him where he's going because I, I like have how you mentioned previously. Like I'd rather have a little more security at that early of a pick for my SP four or five. I mean, maybe on one team, switch it up and try to take a shot if if you have a really good uh, pitching uh, rotation going into that pick. But yeah, he's not someone I'm looking to draft really. It's unfortunate. I, like I hope he turns it around and like he, he can stay healthy going into spring training and not do anything stupid and can live up to that contract because he's getting paid a lot of money for the Yankees. And it's it's hard to it's hard to give someone that much money after a year and a half. Like they're. they're they're asking him to do it for five years and he, he hasn't shown he can do that. So I could see this being like another Kevin Brown or Jarrett Wright or all those awful signings of years past, but I hope not. Yeah. This is one of those where I, f- I fought my giants friends that wanted to pay him and bring him back that year. I was like, no, no, don't do it. And so far so good. He still has time to prove me wrong, but so far so good. And it's just like where he's going uh, Mitch Keller's going right before him, Bailey Ober, right behind him, Barrios, even Christian Javier, who at least finished kind of strong, but I'm not on him. But Chris Sale, Nick Pavetta, there's question marks everywhere, of course, but I think we at least saw health out of most of those guys last year. Not all of them, but most, which is all I care about. Now, like you said with Aaron Judge, like a, a Carlos Rodon, if I am going to draft him, it probably would be more so in a fab league because I could just be like, you know what, see ya, gone. I'm just dropping you, call it good, move on. 
that draft and hold like that fourth or fifth starter is more reliable than you think. So you are more important than you think. So you kind of need that stability for sure. I will say with Rodon in a 12 teamer, like I think we'll do a Yahoo show at some point. And uh, like in in a Yahoo 12 teamer, I would take him all day because of the replacement value. Well, and you get IL. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's it's super (laughs) price of one. Yeah. So it's like in a deep NFBC, like I play now more, more often than not, it's just, there's too much risk at that price, but yeah, like a CBS or like a points league or something where you have IL spots, it's a completely different story. And I think he's worth the risk, not every time you draft, but every once in a while. Yeah, totally. Totally agree with you on that one. Let's talk nasty Nestor Cortez. He had an injury riddled season as well, only through 63 innings, made 12 starts after back-to-back pretty good campaigns, really good campaigns in the Yankees rotation. Uh, he's supposed to be healthy, looks to be back. He's seen him at Dolphins games, having fun. ADP of 272 is kind of enticing unless I'm missing something here. What are your thoughts on uh, Nestor Cortez uh, maybe bouncing back this year? Yeah, so so I'm trying to look at this. So he was okay before he got injured. You always wonder how much the injury plays into the performance. Mm-hmm. And he just couldn't, he couldn't come back. I think it was his shoulder at least once. Yep. Uh, I'm not sure if it was the same thing both times, but uh, – yeah, I would have liked a little bit more of a discount because he was going around this after that first around this range after that first half season where he kind of came out of nowhere, and then he moved up to like pick around pick a hundred last year. So it's not it's a discount for sure compared to last year, but I would have preferred to see him pass three hundred just because he doesn't like the strikeout stuff of other starters. But it is like with the way pitching is, I, I get why he's probably going in this range. Uh, like in the draft I'm in now, I might have to make that make that decision in a in a little while if I want to take him or not, and I probably will be in. Um, it's just the shoulder is scary, and like he's like he's like he's like Rodon. He 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 wasn't really anything for a long time. Then he had this short stretch of being really good, and now he's hurt. So it's it's unfortunate they're on the same team now that I think about it like that. But um, yeah, I I hope he comes back because he's he's fun to watch. It's just. It's it's on the shoulder just makes me uneasy. Yeah, it's a tough one. That's what's at least there's optimism with the Yankees if you're a fan because the rotation's strong. It's just like can these guys bounce back from injuries? Like if Rodon and Court Nestor come back to being even like seventy five percent of what they once were, that makes this team just like they don't you don't need aces with that offense. Like you just need guys that can throw five six innings, like quality starts, six innings and three runs, like whatever. Just go out there and get it to the bullpen, which is pretty good, and we'll go from there. So. If Nestor can get back to that world, that's promising. I know this is more fantasy talk, but that's that as a Yankees fan, that's, that's my two cents. I say that's that's a win. That leads me to Clark Schmidt, who I'm a big fan of, but it was a weird season for Clark. I don't know if he was kind of getting tired or what it was, but his middle of the season, very, very good. Last couple of months, not good at all. Walks were up and down, strikeouts were up and down. But you look at a guy who made 32 starts, almost 160 innings, and he's got an ADP of 354. So what are your thoughts on thoughts on Clark Schmidt going into 2024? I might actually prefer him to Nestor just because of, of the discount in uh, draft price. But he was just, like Schmidt was kind of mad last year. He doesn't have like a great strikeout rate, uh, swing strike rate. Um, the underlying ERA estimators weren't the best. They're, they're all around like four three. If you look at CRX tip and XERA. I, I wonder if a lot of the hype came because when he was in the bullpen and like to your point, he, he very well could have tired out um, after that strong stretch. And uh, 
I mean, but that could be in his favor because, like, now he may be more built up. He, he may not face that rough patch going into, um, going into 2024. But I think at that price, um, it's worth a shot. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm beginning. So I'll put you back on the Larchman bandwagon. That's for sure. Uh, still waiting on the fifth start in there. Obviously, there's moving parts, but uh, there is that the pot brings the money. So let's head to the bullpen here. Another Clay Holmes. Like, um, you look at Clay Holmes. I'm a Clay Holmes fan because he has an AP of 128 right behind Kimley Johnson, right behind Ray Campbell. I understand it's like Holmes headed up to now in the end. He still gets GM saves, is what we're looking for. It's wonderful. And, um, you know, four saves before Rich's are still not bad. What are your thoughts on Clay The way I read it, it's still his job. Yeah. So last year, I was a little hesitant to draft Holmes where he was going because I didn't trust him as a pitcher. He had bouts of wildness in 2022. Uh, he was in and out of the role, but he's, they basically stuck with him last year. He still didn't have, like, he didn't hit 30 saves, which you, you kind of want um, in that range. He, he ended up with 24, but they've lost some bullpen arms. Uh, King's now a starter on the Padres. He was getting saves last year. So I I, I actually just took Clay Holmes in, in the draft champions I'm, I'm in right now as my as my RP2. Um, I kind of double-tap closers. And uh, I, I think he's kind of shown that he can stick in the role and – yeah, they have a good pullpen still. It's not as good as it used to be. I mean, I hope they don't draft Hater now that I just drafted Holmes. I hope they don't sign Hater that I drafted Holmes. But, um, yeah, like uh, Loizaga, who we might t- uh, talk about in a little bit, he was, he's battled injury and ineffectiveness. He's not really getting strike. He wasn't getting strikeouts last year. They have Canley back, but he's hit or miss sometimes. They have Ian Hamilton, who we'll talk about too. But I think Holmes is pretty safe for now, as long as they don't sign anybody. I, I like him where he's going. Yeah, it's kind of where I'm at. Like they might sign someone, but even when they brought in guys to kind of combat Holmes or help Holmes, he still got like two thirds of the share. It felt like, and when he got when he got right, they put him back into the role type thing. So just that kind of trust with Boone makes me feel like why wouldn't they keep going that route? So I'm still taking like if you're waiting late on a reliever two, or if you want to get real aggressive in a in a drafted hole and get your reliever three early, so you don't have to worry about you know fishing later on as much. Like it's an option. I'm not saying it's the way to go. It's an option, though. Uh, you mentioned these guys, so I'll just group them together and let you kind of go with them as you wish. You mentioned, I call him Johnny Lasagna, Jonathan Loisiga, uh, Tommy Canley. You got Ian Hamilton, Scott Efros. Uh, they brought Cody Morrison for a trade who is, could be a – he's a guy I've actually drafted in, like, the last two rounds of drafts because I liked him in Cleveland. And if they do need backup in that rotation, I think there's something there. So what are you thinking of this handful of uh, potential Yankees pitchers? Is there any interest in these guys? So I think right now Loisica is the handcuff, if you want to consider there to be one. Um, his ADP is very late. I was surprised to see it. It's 728 on the ADP that I have. Mm-hmm. So usually handcuff or uh, setup men go a lot higher than that. So I guess people aren't expecting him to be the first in line. Um, Canley, he's another option too if Loisica isn't effective, like I mentioned before. Uh, Canley came back from injury last year and he, he pitched pretty well. So he seems to be back, but I don't think he has this, like he's a fastball change guy. I don't think you really want that as a closer Hamilton. So he was someone I was mixing and matching with on fabulous with uh, Michael King last year. Hamilton is great in a deep league because he can go two, three innings and he, he gets strikeouts and he's pretty, he's pretty good. Like he has pretty good ratios. So if you're looking in a draft and hold for us, uh, if the starters are kind of man, you just want a, a, a pitcher. I would consider Ian Hamilton. Um, he's really good. Efros, I put him here because when he got, so he was traded for, I think in 2022 
And they're, they were talking that he maybe he could have replaced Holmes when Holmes was struggling. So he could vault ahead of these guys if something happens to Holmes. So he could be an option too. And yeah, like you mentioned, Cody Morris, he's, I think when uh, I was on, when he was part of that trade with uh, uh, um, Florida, they sent Florida to the guardians and was some other guys, but if he ends up starting, that could be pretty valuable. But like I alluded to on that show, I, I, he's kind of more of a reliever now, but if he could be like a Hamilton, that could be valuable as well. So just look at his usage in spring training. I think. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think that's definitely something to, to make work. Like that's, that's why I've taken darts on him late. Just if something were to happen, he's kind of a longer, I got to love low Siga. I had in a ton of places last year as a late pick, just for the reasons you mentioned, uh, Tommy Canley is an interest of mine. I had Michael King actually in a lot of leagues. So I'm pretty pumped on that because I had him as like the heir to homes and it turned out to be something better. So that's, that's the fun I like about drafting holds late. Uh, you know, we did a, a show with Bloomfield. I've done, I've had other guys on bench with Bubba talking about late draft and hold stuff. And, I like taking a lot of reliever chances, and uh, those sometimes pay off, sometimes they don't. But we'll see what happens there. Let's talk prospects. Um, we'll start with Ben Rice. You mentioned him. Uh, do you have anything else to, to add to Ben Rice, or are you kind of good on that one? I wouldn't be too aggressive because, I, like I wrote on the outline, he's only been into Double A, which doesn't mean that he can't get called up if he's maybe in Triple A to start the season and he does really well. But he, he actually has some speed too, so he's an intriguing uh, power speed catcher, kind of like. Uh, Wells, ironically. And um, yeah, so I trust whatever Eric uh, Cross and uh, Chris Clegg said about him. So listen to that if you want more. <laughs> um, you have Jorbeat Vivas, second base, third base guy. What's your thoughts there? Yeah, so he came over. So the, I think once the Dodgers signed uh, Otani, they had to make a move to clear man to clear space on the 40 man. And this was the trade they made with the Yankees, I think. And uh, he's a second base, third base prospect. I never heard of him until I was looking at the depth chart power decent power and some speed so like i was alluding to before with the with like dj and maybe they trade labor if they struggle and then he gets and then vivas gets called up but he has good minor league numbers so there's someone to keep your eye on i don't know if i would take him in a draft and hold but if uh he, he gets called up mid-season then i would try to rec- hopefully you recognize the name and can maybe add him for sure uh, Will Warren is definitely a name I remember the boys talking about. Uh, it was Drew Thorpe and Will Warren. Drew Thorpe is now in San Diego. So what's your thoughts on Will Warren? Is he worth a shot in drafts? I know he actually does have an ADP. I can give you that real quick. Uh, his ADP is 508. So people are actually pretty aggressive if you think about it for a guy that's not up just yet. Yeah, that is pretty aggressive. It's probably because they have uh, Clayton Beater as the fifth starter right now in Russia Resource. Yeah, so they're taking, exactly right. Yeah. They're taking some stabs with the young, the young better guys. So the, yeah, so he the one thing that kind of has me liking the guy I have second on the list in terms of pitchers is uh, Warren's high whip. So he has a 1.28 in his minors career, which, I mean, you can, you can only imagine it's probably going to go up a little bit if you go to the majors. Uh, he has like a walk. It's, it's primarily walks because last year in AAA he had 100 innings and 47 walks, so that's not very good. But he has good strike. He has decent strikeout stuff. And I remember reading about him in like a, a an article from LB.com and, so I remember that name. And um, so I, if uh, uh, Cross and Clegg have him on their radar, so I'm sure he probably has some decent pedigree. But, yeah, I might like the next guy a little bit more. And the next guy you're mentioning is Chase Hampton, who has an ADP of 734. So that's definitely an end game target if you want to take the chances there. Why do you like Hampton a little more? As you have written down, he's only got up to double A, which obviously doesn't mean anything after last season. So just throwing that out there. Right, yeah. So And just to add to this, so uh, – Warren is the Yankees' sixth overall prospect, and Hampton is the fifth. So Hampton is a little bit higher. 
um, in terms of prospect uh, uh, people's people's eyes. And uh, the one thing, so like going back to the whip, so uh, Hampton's whip for his career in the minors is 1.14. So it's a lot better than uh, Warren's and he has better strikeout stuff, it seems like. So uh, where is it? Actually, no, it's only been one year. So last year was his first year in the minors. He had 145 strikeouts and 106 innings. So that's a pretty good workload and a pretty good strikeout rate. And that's across high A and double A. And a little bit more of that work was in double um, A. A little elevated ERA once he went up, but I like the strikeout stuff was still there. The whip wasn't terrible. It was 1.26. So I could see either of these guys getting called up if got, if they don't by any chance to sign a starter or if someone gets hurt, um, like we touched on with Nestor and Rodon having injury risk as it is. So I could see Warren or Hampton getting called up at some point. Yeah, I think those are fun, especially Hampton's a late pick. Basically, those are the kind of chances I like to take, the late, late picks. So, like, we talked to Warren just for fun for people out there. I mentioned the, the 580p, essentially. Um, you know, he's got Jason Foley could be a saves guy in Detroit. Griffin Jacks, saves guy in Minnesota. Nick Anderson, saves guy in Kansas City. After that, you know, Kopech, do what you wish. It's honestly not a bad price if you want to gamble on Kopech, but I probably won't. You got Pi Amps. If Devin Williams moves, there's your saves. A lot of a lot of relievers here. So yeah, guys that are already pitching in the bigs that might get the run. And then you got Warren in the middle of all that. So that's interesting compared to Hampton, who it's like Lois Sega's right in front of him, River Ryan, Tommy Henry, Ben Lively, like a bunch of dudes that are uh much different, as I should say, <laughs> when, when you're when you're doing your drafting. So fun stuff, fun stuff. Yankees look to be in for a, a fun season for you. What is the What's the temperature? I was going to say optimism, but it could be pessimism. What's the temperature there after missing the playoffs last year? So the Orioles went 100. Rays are always the Rays. Red Sox, eh, we'll see. Um, you got some a very, very, very good division. So what's your thoughts here? Yeah, so it's, it's going to be really dependent on who they sign for that fifth starter spot because, I mean, I don't think they'll, they'll sign Snell, but if they get Jordan Montgomery, I think that he, they, he puts them in a really good spot to be up there with the Rays, I mean, the Rays took a step back with their rotation, so they shouldn't be as good anymore. I mean, they are the Rays, though, so who knows? Like, they could turn these guys into gold like they always do. I I think the Red Sox will be sneaky good because, like, they're li- like everyone likes their lineup for fantasy. Like, I do personally, too. And the rotation isn't that bad. Like, there are a lot of question marks, kind of like the Yankees do, but they'll be tough. I, I like the Yankees' chances with all that said. Um, I just hope Soto stays and everyone says – like, it's always the health with the Yankees because, like, Riz- Stan's old, Rizzo's old, LeMayu's old. Um, judge is injury prone. It's just like it could go south. I, it's very possible to go south this season, but I mean they do have high expectations as always. And I'm, I'm, with all that said, though, I'm still pretty optimistic. With after the Soto trade and the Verdugo trade, uh, those are pretty big uh, acquisitions, and uh, it's what they needed. So I'm I'm excited for the season to start for sure. What other moves do you think they do? Like you you, you joked about Hater, always a possibility, but. Yeah. I still think he goes somewhere else. I think I think it's more a starting pitcher. Could be totally wrong. Where do you see they go? They might go. What do you hope they do? I think the lineup is set. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah so it's it's just that last that, that fifth spot, which could end up being like an SP two or three, and everyone else slides down. But yeah, I don't know if the I don't, I don't know what the payroll is right now, but I could see them getting another reliever. I know there's a lot of people still out there. Like we're all waiting for everyone to sign. It feels like. So maybe two two more pitchers, one starter, one reliever, I, I would say. Yeah, well, that'll be fun. 
can't wait to see where it goes. It's just around the corner. We already got less than, uh, it's like 50 days or so to spring training. God, so close. Can't wait. It's going to be <laughs> glorious. Um, why don't you remind everybody where they can find you, Mr. Ben, before we head on out of here? Yeah, so I am on Twitter at BreakingBen underscore T. Uh, if you listen to the Blue Jays preview, uh, Joe Rico was on, and he mentioned that I'll be trying some writing this year for Sports Ethos. So uh, be on the lookout for that. I'll be tweeting about that when I get started up. Uh, right now the plan is to do an NFBC-related pitching article in the season, um, but I might uh, get a head start with some other work uh, before the season starts. So, yeah, be on, look- be on the lookout for that. and. Hopefully I'll be back on soon. <laughs> you will be. You know that. You're out, you're on the speed dial. So I'm looking forward to that. And always a pleasure chatting with you when I can. A little different than our normal shows of late, but it's good to talk Yankees and get the team previews running. People enjoyed these last year. So looking forward to pumping them out again. So make sure you guys all follow Ben on Twitter at breaking Ben underscore T. Until next time, this was Bench with Bubba, episode 624, your 2024 New York Yankees team preview. Catch you all next time. <laughs> <laughs>